Um, one of the things we uh, enjoy doing is, is we're quite a large group of people on a Sunday usually, uh, is just getting to know each other a little bit better. So I've taken this... I nearly cancelled this interview because Ian is Scottish. <laughs> and if, you're, if you were following the rugby, you'll know what happened yesterday. <laughs> uh, but I thought I could cope. Um, so, uh, Ian, you haven't been around with us too long. You'd, you'd, you'd call yourself a Christian. Yes. Um, were you brought up in a Christian home? Have you always been around church, always been at church? What's, what's your story? My parents, uh, from when I was very young, I've always been searching for God. And I think they've tried every church that they possibly can from the odd order right through. Uh, so, yeah, it's always been a part of my, my life, you know, the church. Uh, but when I became a teenager, that's when I drifted away from it. So you just weren't involved at all when you were No, I was away doing normal things that teenagers do. So, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but you're quite a long way from being a teenager now. So yeah. <laughs> how, 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 how long was that gap between drifting Until away? I came here. Okay. Yeah. okay. Until I actually came here, I've always uh, believed in God. You know, and I, I always had a mistrust in religion. I always thought, it's man-made. Uh, but of course we have to have men doing it you know what I mean so how did you um, how did that happen how did you come to start following Jesus again after all those years well I was at uh, Sal and Rob Humphreys' daughter's uh, Sal, Sal can wave Rob, <laughs> and uh, I met a, a, a Baptist minister called Ben and with a few glasses of wine I started asking him some questions and uh, he seemed to answer me in, in the sense that I went, oh. And it started making me think again that maybe I should be looking into this a wee bit more. Maybe it's a bit different from what I remembered. And uh, so that's what I did. And I, what I did is I started praying first. I, I never actually mentioned it to anybody. I just got on with it and I ended up having a conversation with God. And then I ended up saying to myself, right, what church am I going to go to? And because I love Sal and Robin, they're good examples of good Christians, you know, and I came to this church, and I've never looked back since. Great. Yeah. When you say you were praying, you, yeah. you just kind of, you just sort of saying honest things to God? Just, and... I was admitting to a lot of things. I was letting things go hmm. that I did when I was not so nice. Uh, so I was just telling God that uh, this is the things I've done. How can you forgive me? You know, and I couldn't understand how you could forgive me. Uh, and then when I started doing my my group thing with James and God bless James, he has to suffer me. You know, yeah, because <laughs> uh, I've got the most difficult questions you could imagine. Uh, but since that, it's just all seemed to go into my heart, and I seem to be a different person and a different goals a bit of a understanding of where I need to be. And I think the big thing is reality. What is reality? And, I, and I, that's the thing that always got me. And once I started studying the Bible, and I go to some of the groups, like I'll be going to the group this afternoon, and it's fantastic and meeting all the lovely people in this church as well, because they, they so welcome you, you know. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and thank you, everybody, because it's been such a welcome I've had. Great. Yeah. So, um, 
So Jesus has clearly changed. Yeah, what you know? What what would you say has changed? The what's the what would you highlight as the thing that's changed? I think in my attitude towards everyone. Okay. I think in my attitude of uh, tolerance. Yeah. Even though every now and again you slip, you know, because we're not perfect, you know. But I would say my attitude towards everyone. I'm not so condemning. Uh, I think uh, one of the, the, the main things is uh, how, how can Jesus forgive you if you can't forgive other people? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one, you know, because if, if you want to be forgiven by Jesus, then you have to start forgiving other people as well. Yeah, that's, that spins around, doesn't it? So it's yeah. partly because you've discovered forgiveness yeah. that you are now able to forgive. There was stuff in that in the reading. God loves us, we love others. Great, Ian. um, I get the sense that you could go on for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. So so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just going to draw stumps there and say thank you very much. That's what James has to suffer, you know. So um, do just ask him more questions afterwards if you want to get to know him a bit better. But, Ian, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a lot. Uh, brilliant. Well, before uh, James comes and uh, preaches what God has to say to us this morning, uh, he'll be using that reading uh, that Peter read for us uh, from the Bible. Uh, one of the things that we often do as Christians is we, we say together what it is that we believe. Uh, and so we're going to say some words from the Bible about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, which will come up on the screen. So we'll stand to say this and then James will pick up the service from there. Please stand. Uh, These words uh, describing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We say together, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bear, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Please be seated. Great, thank you, Paul. Um, And thanks, Ian, as well. I don't have to suffer, Ian, at all. I love all his questions, so uh, it's great. but uh, to start off this morning, uh, I'm James, by the way, I'm the, the curate here. Um, to start off this morning, we're going to have a little uh, competition. Uh, so I'm going to play you uh, a snippet of a very well-known uh, song. And I reckon probably at least 80% of you will know this. So it's the kind of first one uh, to get their hand up um, and to give me the name of the song uh, and the band um, who sings it. So, uh, Guy, if you can take it away. Yeah, it's pretty. I think over here was good. Go on. Yeah. Yes, yeah, good. 
All we need is love, the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, we had some hands shoot up straight away. I think, I think you were, you were the first. <laughs> yeah. um, brilliant. Um, well, I think uh, I, I played that song. It is, has got some relevance to uh, what we're going to be talking about now. But I think most of us um, would agree with Sir Paul McCartney that um, we need love. Uh, in fact, uh, some of us would also agree that all we need um, is love. Um, but I think the, the problem we have today is that we're a little bit confused about what love is. Uh, see, the Beatles, they didn't define uh, what love is for us. I checked the rest of the lyrics, I couldn't remember them, and they weren't really much help with uh, what love is. Um, but I wonder what, what comes to your mind uh, when we say the word love. Uh, maybe it's uh, friendship and family, uh, that committed love. Uh, or the love um, of a parent uh, to a child, the love that a parent should have to a child. Uh, that kind of, I'll always be there for you kind of love. But how about when love gets costly? Uh, do we um, easily give up on love and let relationships end um, and friendships go sour? Because to keep on loving that person uh, costs us too much. And we probably wouldn't say this out loud, would we? But sometimes it can seem like people need to earn our love or to be sort of deserving Um, of our love in some way? Uh, Do we sometimes only love somebody else because they love us? Um, Is that true love? Or you have the passion and excitement of romantic love, uh, but what about when that feeling fades? Um, Is love a feeling or is love an action? Or should we just learn to um, love ourselves before we try and uh, love other people? Uh, That's what we're often told, isn't it? It's a quote from the internet. I don't know who it was, but it says, um, love yourself first and everything else falls into line. Maybe there's some truth in that. I'm not sure. But we long for connection, don't we? So I wonder if loving ourselves um, is ever going to be enough. So even if we do agree with the Beatles that we need love, uh, perhaps we still need some help in understanding uh, what love is actually is. And that's where our passage today that we had read um, helps us, uh, because God describes himself as love. Uh, The reading today, it was from a um, a letter. Uh, It's in the Bible. It's written by John. Um, He was one of uh, a follower of Jesus. Uh, He was someone who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus, and who actually touched Jesus. And he says this. It's going to be on the screen. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. If you had uh, one word to describe yourself, um, I wonder uh, what word that would be. Uh, James is dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to ask for any hands up to fill in that blank. don't know what you'd say. Um, But one word that, that God uses to describe himself is love. God is love. And these, um, these three words, they should stop us in our tracks straight away, shouldn't they? Because uh, in a world where um, the word love is used in all kinds of ways, uh, God says that he is love. Uh, not just that he's loving, uh, which is true, but that he is actually love itself. So I think it makes sense then to, that anything else we want to say about love uh, must come from him, from God, who is love. But I've got a 
question about those three words, and maybe it's uh, one that's come to you as well. Um, what does that actually mean? God is love. Uh, what does that love look like? Now, I, I want God to show me uh, what that love means. And that's the great thing about the Christian message is that God has done exactly that. Uh, verse 9 from our reading again, he'll come on the screen now, says, um, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, for those of you um, here that are parents, um, or even if you're not, you can understand this. I don't know how far uh, you'd be prepared to send your only child. Of course, Jesus the Son, he is fully God. His relationship to God the Father is is different from our uh, earthly parent-child relationships. And yet, God says he's his only, one and only son. He's he's stressing to us the uniqueness and preciousness um, of his son. Such that to send Jesus into the world from heaven was itself extremely costly. But God was intent on doing this so that we might live through him, live through his son, Jesus. Now, for those of you who like to ask questions um, like Ian, um, and actually, uh, I've been meeting with Pete and Andrea for probably nearly a year now, isn't it? It's kind of, yeah, on on and off. Uh, And they've asked me some great questions about the Christian faith as well, um, as we've looked forward to today uh, for summer. Um, But the question here, I think, that well, I'm asking anyway, is uh, why did God go to these lengths to send his son so that we might live through him? Because we're already living, aren't we? You can pinch yourself and check. We're we're alive. Well, this might sound uh, a bit shocking, but um, it's because outside of Jesus, God says it's a bit like we're all dead. Um, a bit later in this in the same book, um, in the same letter, um, God says this. He says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. That means life with God uh, that goes on forever. God has given us eternal life. And this life is where? It's in his son. Whoever has the son has life. But whoever does not have the son does not have life. So without his son, Jesus, God says it's like we're dead. We're not alive to who God is. We don't understand his love for us. And we're not living for him and we don't want to know him. Uh, the Bible calls that sin. And it says that outside of that relationship with God, we're, it's like we're dead in sin. And so in danger of God's uh, future um, judgment. And so God showed his love by sending his only son, Jesus, uh, to do something about this uh, so that we can live through him, not just now, uh, but forever. This is uh, verse 15 now. We'll we'll come back to this in a moment. It says, um, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So it's clear, isn't it, that what we do with Jesus the son really matters Whether we um, acknowledge him or ignore him has huge consequences either way. It's a matter of uh, life or death. But why? Why What is it about Jesus that's so important that everything kind of hinges on him, Jesus the Son? Well, it all has to do with 
um, who Jesus is. He's the son, but also uh, what he has done as God's son. And we're back to our, our beginning again about love, because God further defines what love looks like for us. This is verse 10 from our reading. He says, uh, this is love, not that we loved God, uh, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God didn't just send his son into the world uh, to live among us, which is amazing in itself. He didn't even just uh, love by speaking words of love or working miracles of love, which he did. Jesus did live a life of love, but Jesus the Son also died a death of love. God's saying that we can only live because Jesus died. We've talked about a sin a bit already, but this verse helps us understand this more. It says, this is love, not that we loved God. And that's the thing that uh, God says about us, is that we don't naturally love him. Uh, We're wired actually to do the opposite. And so we're completely dependent on God to make the first move, to, to take the initiative. In fact, God, God makes all the moves. He, he does everything um, necessary for us to be able to live in relationship with him. I think sometimes um, for us, we might wait for others to love us before we will love them back. And I think we certainly all find it really, really hard, don't we, to, to love someone who we don't think deserves it at all. Or perhaps a person you're trying to love and they keep throwing your love back in your face. It's really hard to keep, keep on doing that. But actually, the Bible says that the whole world has been throwing God's love back in his face since just after the beginning of time. And so God doesn't wait for us uh, to turn around and love him. No, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And sometimes we, uh, we think of love as well as, as, as something where someone should always affirm um, everything about us, uh, tell, tell me how great I am. Uh, but God's love includes um, his willingness to, to tell us what we're really like and, and to do something about it, to do something about what is wrong in us, but also what's wrong in the world. Uh, God's love includes his justice. That means that he doesn't just let kind of sin and evil go unpunished. Uh, God's love means that he must um, deal with it justly um, if we're going to have a relationship with him. I think we instinctively know this to be right, don't we? If we see a, a criminal getting away with it, we're, we're rightly angry, aren't we? Uh, we want justice, uh, whether it's for politicians fiddling their taxes um, or uh, much more seriously, um, people who um, commit acts of violent crime against others, especially, I think, when it's people who are abusing positions of power and trust um, to do that. Uh, We rightly want justice for them, don't we? We wouldn't want a God who just lets that uh, go unpunished. It's just that it's sometimes harder, isn't it, when to accept when justice also needs to be done with me. See, all, all sin is ultimately against God who made us, and he must deal justly with that. But that is exactly what is happening on the cross. When uh, Jesus, the son, um, who had no sin, uh, went to his death to face God's judgment 
for our sin, for my sin. And so for anyone who does acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, well, Jesus' death then counts for us uh, so that we might live in God and he in us. We've said already, um, Ian and it's quite a little group of us have been doing this course, um, Hope Explored, over the last few Sundays. Um, and it's our last one um, this, this today, but you're, you're welcome to, to join us anyway. And, and he's um, used a cycle helmet to kind of illustrate uh, what I've just been talking about there. Um, and the guy on the video, he tells this story about um, him on his bike uh, cycling along. And then he goes kind of right over his handlebars and lands on his head. And um, his cycle helmet, luckily he was wearing one. There's a few people in here who don't. And they've been, people have been telling me to wear one, so this is my new one. Um, but luckily for him, he was wearing one. And what happened when, when the, imp- the, the helmet took the full force of the impact, so the helmet broke in half. Um, but he was okay. He was alive and well. And I'm not going to demonstrate because it's a new, a new helmet. Um, they don't pay enough in the Church of England for that. But, um, but in a similar way, when, when Jesus died, he was, he was broken. He was facing the full force of God's just and settled anger at sin. He was broken so that we might live in him. So there couldn't be a more important question for us today as, as to whether we have acknowledged uh, Jesus the Son and what he has done for us. Because if you have already, or if you do, then, then every sin, uh, past, present, or future, has been dealt with by Jesus already on the cross. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is deep, committed, costly love. God isn't walking away from us when it gets tough. He's done everything necessary for us to know him and live with him forever. So what should all this um, lead us to do? Well, John tells us in the next verse, verse 11, he says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I didn't know what Ian was going to say in his interview, but that fits in perfect, doesn't it? So as, as he's beginning to realize God's love and forgiveness of him, that that empowers him to live that way towards other people. And that's the thing, it's only that as we know God's deep, committed love uh, that we'll be able to love others rightly. So actually, maybe there is some truth in what we were saying at the start about uh, learning to love yourself first. Except it's only a, a half-truth, isn't it? Because I can't rely on me to love me. Uh, we, we all need a love outside of ourselves, a, a love that really knows us, warts and all, and yet is passionately committed to us, so much so that he sent his only son to die for us. I think the Beatles were right, weren't they? Love, love is all we need, uh, but it's only God's love uh, that is enough. And it's as we start really grasping God's love that we're then able to love others. And that's going to be my prayer for, for Summer as she comes up um, later, uh, that she'll be able to grasp God's love for her more and more um, all of her days. 
And actually, it's, it's even more than this, because God wants to use um, this love that we have for others as an assurance for us, to give us confidence as Christians that we really are alive in God, that we have eternal life with him. And so we're back for full circle where we started, back at verse 16. Uh, God is love. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So if you are here today and you are already acknowledging Jesus as a son and you're beginning to to show that love in your love for other people, well, God is saying um, that he lives in you. Uh, Be assured that that you're his. Of course, um, God tells us in the rest of the Bible what loving him and loving others um, looks like. We're not free just to kind of make that up. But still, God wants to assure us that if we're living in love, then we are alive in God and not dead in sin well just just finally um this this means one more thing which i think is really really important actually um because actually this assurance if you're a christian this assurance that you're living in god with your sin forgiven means that we can live life without fear freedom from fear i don't know if you knew that was uh, one of the things that christian life is all about Well, that's just our final uh, verses that we'll read today. It says, this is is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. A life without fear. (laughs) Maybe that seems like a a pipe dream to, to some of you. Uh, And someone actually, they once said to me uh, a useful question that they asked themselves when they're struggling with fear and anxiety um, is they say, they ask themselves, is my life in danger? And when he can can answer that in the no, which is most of the time, that kind of just starts settling him down, uh, just settling those nerves. Actually, no, my life's not in danger. (sighs) Things are okay. And... um, that's a really helpful question to, to, to ask, isn't it, I think? And I'm not pretending that um, if you're a Christian that um, we can be completely immune from fear and anxiety in this life. We know, don't we, there's, there's medical um, issues which people will need the help of a doctor with as well. And in a room this size, actually, that, that's probably at least 10 to 15 of us that will struggle with some kind of uh, anxiety. Uh, and if that's you, we'd love to help in whatever way we can and, and chat to you about that as well. Uh, so please do. But, but something that is a real solid foundation for eradicating fear in our lives is the knowledge that if you have trusted in Jesus, you can actually always answer that question with a no. Is my life in danger? No. It never will be, not as a Christian. And that's because God, God would say that the biggest danger that we could possibly face would be arriving at the day of judgment with him, having continued to refuse to acknowledge his son, Jesus. But if we have acknowledged him and we're living in love, then these verses say that we can approach that day with absolute confidence before God. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The biggest problem, the gravest danger you could possibly face has already been dealt with 
uh, by Jesus at the cross if you're a Christian here today. It doesn't mean we won't face real disappointment and distress in this life, but it does mean that we can face them with God at our side, knowing that he's already dealt with the biggest problem that we could ever face. Is my life in danger? No. That's something that can really affect um, your everyday life. Uh, as you wake up in the morning, starting every day with that, that baseline confidence uh, that God has got you. That what could be your biggest fear has been taken away. God's perfect love drives out fear. I'm going to pray before we sing. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are love and you've shown us this love by sending your only son, Jesus, to die for us. We thank you for doing that. And we pray that we would be those who have acknowledged your son, Jesus, and that we are beginning to live a life of love. Thank you that that means we can live a life here and now free from fear, confident of the day that we will meet you. In Jesus' name, amen.